Morning. Yeah. We're so blessed by all of you. Thank you for coming. If this is your first time back, welcome back. We want to thank you for a couple things. Number one, we want to thank you for continuing to be um, compliant. Kind of hate that word, but being, um, but working with us with the mask, we appreciate that. Remember, sip, sip, mask back on. Um, we appreciate that. And I got told that in a um, United lounge. I was sitting at a table. I was eating. I had taken my mask off. And the woman comes up and she goes, sip, sip, mask on. And I was like, What? Like, I thought we were doing some sort of rhyme. Like, I was supposed to know the second part of that. And I was like, burp, burp, keep, I, what? And she was like, you need to keep your mask on. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm eating. And she's like, look at your table. And on my table, it actually said, keep your mask on, just pull it down to eat. And then and I was like, oh, sorry. You know when you do something wrong that you don't mean to do wrong, but it's clearly noted and you feel like an idiot? That was me. So welcome. Welcome to my life. Listen, we're week 12, right? That's a long series. Thank you guys for coming along for the journey. It's been pretty amazing. We have looked a lot at the past, haven't we? We've looked at what it means to have a biblical Christianity. Because kind of the premise of some of this is that, you know, the modern world has kind of shaped and morphed and changed Christianity from what it was originally intended to be. And so we've tried to go back and try and find the place that happens all the time. Babies wake up after the music, start listening to my voice, and they're like, nah. I'm out. I'm out. It's okay. It's all right. My own children do that to me too, and they're not babies anymore. But we've looked, we've looked, we've looked back to try and rediscover what Christianity looks like, looked like, and how we should, how we should wear it, right? How we should take it on as our, as our, um, as our faith. But today we're going to talk a little bit differently. We're going to talk about what does the future of Christianity look like. And just so you know, we're in my wheelhouse now. I have a degree, my, my terminal degree, as they say, which sounds like I'm dying. My terminal degree is in semiotics and future studies. So you know what that is. No one knows what that is. Semiotics is the study of signs, essentially, and symbols, right? And then future studies, kind of how they relate to what's going to happen in the future. So I think of it like this, if this may help you a little bit. If you're into technology and you read Wired magazine, kind of the same thing. They look at the trends and where things are going, and they try and forecast where it goes. Um, so this is kind of my wheelhouse. I love talking about the future of faith and the future of Christianity, that kind of stuff, the future of church, if you will. And that's really important to me. And that's kind of what I'm trained to do. So I, I was looking forward to this particular sermon. But I mean, how can we even ask this question, right? How can we ask what is the future of Christianity going to look like? There's a bunch of different... There's a bunch of different organizations that do research. You've got like the Pew Research Center and you've got the Barner Research Group and, and a bunch more that are doing a lot of research and doing the statistical work to show us what is happening in the world. Now, you can find that out, so I'm going to let you find that out. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on statistics because, like I said, you can just Google Barner Research and get all the kind of information that you need. But there's a few things that are interesting. First of all, we know that... 40% of millennials and Gen Zs would call themselves the nuns. Well, they wouldn't call themselves that. They're just unaffiliated with faith. They are not less spiritual by any means. In fact, some would argue that they're more spiritual, but they have less affiliation with church, right? So they'll say things like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And we call those the nuns. Now, here's an interesting statistic that I thought would be worth mentioning. Amazingly, because this is the first time we've really seen this, we are seeing the older generation of boomers leaving the church. And, and there's a lot of different 
ideas on why that's happening. One of the ideas is that they've just been in church for so long and heard the same things for so long. They want something more from their faith and they're not getting it in their churches. And so they're leaving. And that's a pretty fascinating statistic. Um, And as you know, the boomer generation is quite large. And so that's statistically pretty important. But understand this, we look at the trends, right? But they're not a crystal ball. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but by studying and by learning, um, we're gonna take, uh, take a look at where the church needs to go and what the church needs to think about. Some of, this idea, some of these ideas come from Kerry Newoff, who's really a guy who's a forward thinker in, in churches, but, but we need to reflect a little bit because the statistics are relatively dire. Right? Some say, actually, the statistics where the Christian church is headed, specifically in North America, portends kind of the end of Christianity as we know it. But you know, we've been saying throughout this whole series that maybe Christianity is not the way it was supposed to be. So maybe some of it's supposed to end and we're supposed to recapture this idea of a biblical Christianity, the ideas that Jesus had about what it meant to be a community, what it meant to be a church, what it meant to be the body of Christ. And so maybe there is an end coming, but maybe it's an end that births a new beginning. And then we also have to ask the question, because we don't just want to ask We don't just want to ask a negative question. We also want to ask the question, what do these circumstances make possible, right? What what is this going to lead to? And this is really important. If you ever want to listen to a great TED Talk, there's a guy by the name of Ben Zander, and he was the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. And he did a TED Talk called The Art of Possibility. And it's really great, especially when you take a look at statistics, because he says, listen, the attitude in which you take is really important in how you're going to interpret how things are going. For instance, he says, he's standing there in this room, you know, TED Talk, and he says, so statistically only 4% of you like classical music. Only 4% of you have bought a classical CD or bought, uh, you know, this was a little bit before we were transmission, you know, moving over to just live streaming music. He said, but only four of you have invested money in, four, not four of you, 4% of you, maybe only four, have invested money in classical music. And he said, and that's a dire statistic. You can look at that and think, man, no one likes classical music. He said, or you can look at it like this. 96% of you need to discover what classical music is. There's a huge world ahead of us in which people can find out what great classical music is. He said, it's all about the way that you look at these particular statistics that make them positive or negative. So we're going to ask this question. What do these circumstances make possible? We're going to ask this question later. But what we need to understand is this, the potential to gain is still greater than the potential to lose. This is the truth about the future and especially the future of the church. Because if we approach it as if God has left the building and all we're doing is managing decline, then we do have a problem. Because if God has left our building, it's because we didn't recognize that he was there in the first place or that we asked him to leave. Because we said, we've got it. We know how to do this. We're pretty good at the format. We're pretty good at making these things happen. We can hold events. So we don't really need God in the midst of these. So I believe that the potential to gain is still greater than the potential to lose. I also believe that churches that love their model more than their mission will die and maybe should die. 
right? Churches that think that there's one way to do things and this is the only way to do things and somehow God ordained that back in the first century, which by the way, Jesus did not ordain any of the stuff that we do in the first century. Every time we buy more haze for our hazer, I think Jesus was not sitting on the Mount of Olives under an olive tree going, you know what we need? More haze. Because that's really going to spread the gospel. No, that's just, it's just like we, we like it, right? But churches that love their model more than their mission will die. We understand that the only, that, that this is good as a launching pad to get you to be involved in service and caring for others and compassion and mercy and justice. That's what this is for. And do we like the haze? Yes, because it makes the lights look super cool. And that's okay. And I say this because the biggest criticism I would say that Crosswalk Church has had is, oh, you just like the show. And my answer to that is, yeah, it's super fun. Why wouldn't we like the show? Why wouldn't we like to get together and enjoy phenomenal music and great lighting and cool graphics and, you know, an okay sermon every now and again? Like, why, why wouldn't we like that? But if you think that's all we do, you haven't been listening. You need to invest and see what we're really talking about. Because how we do church is secondary to why we do church. We love well. That's our vision statement. That's our mission statement. And this week, I got to be on a call. I was on a Zoom with Portland, our PDX church. And they are getting ready, hopefully, to launch in the fall. And this has been a long journey for them. Because Patty got hired, like, as the pandemic started. Like, the Monday we all had to go home, they asked him to come to Portland. And so it's been a long journey for him of building a church that never gets to meet. And they're finally doing some small groups. He calls it Serve Well. Will they come and they learn how to serve and what the church is all about? And I got to speak to, I zoomed in, and I got to speak to why we do church. And it was so cool to watch a room of 25 people get excited about the fact that they get to be missional in the way that they look at church. They were super excited about it. We seek to be a community of belonging. It doesn't matter if we're here in the church, if we're in the parking lot back there, if we're in our field down the road, or like Patty, you know, they're, they're in a parking lot somewhere else with cars or foothills. Speaking of foothills, I need to say this. So wherever Josh is. Um, so our foothills campus was going to do a, meet, a meeting today. I think it was at 6 or 7 p.m. today. We need, if you're watching and you're from foothills, we need to let you know that that has been postponed. There was a conflict that we didn't know about we found out about this morning. So if you're from the Foothills LA area and you were planning on going, stay tuned because we will postpone that and do it at another time at another place. However, on June 26, on June 26, the next time Foothills is planned to meet together, I'm going to be there and I'm going to hang out with you guys and preach for you guys. So if that's okay, we're going to have to wait almost a month. Sorry, right? I had to do a little business. Right in the middle of a little business. Right in the middle of I'm a multitasker. I can get all this. I'm a multitasker. I can get all this done. Anyway, um, anyway, at the end of the day, um, we seek to be a community. At the end of the day, we seek to be a community of belonging here, and that's our mission. We'll do lots of other things to get to that. We'll do point, lots of other things to get to that point, but that's what we're always reaching. I also forward. believe that in the future, I also believe that in the future, consumer Christianity will die. A more selfless discipleship will emerge. And I gotta tell you, we live in a retail culture, right? And and over the pandemic, this retail culture has been really prevalent because all you have to do is click your mouse to go to a different church service. And some of you actually found us because you've been doing that retail search, right? And I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like that. Oh, who are they? Those guys sound interesting. What's going to happen? In fact, some of you have never been here before until we were able to open up and you had only been part of our church online. Now, that's okay. You've got to find church, right? You've got to find the church that speaks to you. But that church that speaks to you, 
If you don't engage in discipleship, which means serving, studying, engaging in a small group, if you do not do those things, then all you're doing is looking for a church that fits a particular need and you're not looking to grow deeper with the community and grow with that community. And so I believe that if you're somebody who just likes to check out churches, you'll find a church that you like, but if you don't invest in that church, you've got a real problem with your spiritual life and you won't grow. And those churches who don't invest in that for you and don't help you invest in that won't last for very long. And that's really important. And I know like, it's different than being filled up in a church, right? We understand that there are people who come to Crosswalk and they love it and they grow and then God calls them to a different place and they go there and they get filled in a different place and it's home for them and they move on. We are not jealous of that. We, we pray to God that you find a place where you can be discipled in church. If it's here, praise God. If it's not, that's fine. I don't, I don't worry about that. That's God's responsibility. But if you are here and you are not engaged in service, if you are not engaged in study, if you're not engaged in a small group, a community of belonging, then you know, you're just getting the very top end of this experience that God wants for you. And that's really important. It's really important that you engage in that. So um, I think that's important to know. I also think that attendance will no longer drive engagement. Engagement will drive attendance. So I think that people are looking for something different and will continue to look for something different. The pandemic has changed us in the way that we engage with church. I mean, listen, you guys have to register. You are not here unless you got up or someone you know got up and registered you for church. That means you want to be engaged. You're not just gonna show up and hope, we, hope you know, we don't expect you now to just show up and hope we can get you engaged. You've already engaged to even be here, which is pretty cool. And by the way, you know that we, we register out, as it were, in about 24, to 36 hours now for these two services. And some of you know that because you're up at seven o'clock, like pushing that button immediately, which is, is so cool. Like, thank you for doing that. However, we also recognize we're probably gonna have to move to three services pretty soon. I want you to understand this. We will not do that until we have enough people who are here to serve those three services. Because we have amazing volunteers, but we're not gonna task them anymore. So if you wanna see this kingdom, um, the kingdom of God continue to grow through Crosswalk and get back to three services, we're gonna need your help and we're gonna need you to serve. So that's my call for volunteerism right now because it's really important. Yeah, no. It's super important, A, that you be engaged, but B, so that more people can come and experience the kingdom through Crosswalk. That's really important to do, so you need to know that, right? But I also think that simplified ministries will complement people's lives rather than compete with them. I mean, again, one of the things that, that's happened is through this pandemic is we've had a chance to like slow down a little bit and realize that all these competing things for our lives maybe aren't as important as our families and, and, and as you know, the spirituality that God is calling us to. That's really important. Churches forever have tried to fill every gap in your life. I think what's gonna happen in the future is that there's gonna be less just like obnoxious programming and more deeper discipleship opportunities so that we're not competing with everything in your life. This is what I would rather have you do. Rather than come and spend four hours on a Saturday and go to a, you know, go, go to a, a, a class and go to this and then go to that, I would rather have you come have a phenomenal worship experience and then somewhere during the week, you get together with your community that you're accountable to, that holds you accountable spiritually, that you study with, that you grow with. I think we need to move to more and more powerful and stronger small group models within this church. I think that's very important. I 
really do. And I got to tell you this, um, small groups are not just people getting together and studying the book of Revelation. Because that's what we think of as Avenus, right? We're like, small groups, we got together, we got a Bible study. Well, we're Avenus, we got to stop and start a revelation. That gets about six weeks in and everybody's like, we don't know. <laughs> like, this is, this is too hard. Yes, study should be a part of your spiritual journey, absolutely. But sometimes you just need to do life together. Sometimes your small group needs to get together and just have hot dogs in somebody's backyard and just talk about nothing that ends up being really important. It ends up being something. Right? Sometimes you just need that, and those need to be intentional communities. You need to grow towards that, and we're going to help you do that. Right? And it's fascinating. Through the pandemic, online church became the journey. Right? But I think in the future, online church will supplement the journey, not become the journey. Because we all did it for a year, and now we want to be in a room full of people. We did it for a year and now we want to be with that community of God, that body of Christ where believers come together and we hear each other sing and we see how God is building his church up through the connections that we have with one another. Online church was great. And for those of you who are watching online because you can't get to a church right now, totally understand and we don't, we don't diminish it. We want to make sure the experience is great for you. In fact, many people are still coming to church online here at Crosswalk. They're just doing it on Tuesday when they do a run or they're doing it on Thursday when they have a little time home and a commute and they're listening to the sermon or listening to the worship service. It will not be the whole thing. And people thought online church, that's gonna take over and pretty soon people won't go to church anymore. We know that's not gonna be the case. But we also know that you will stay engaged with the learning and the teaching and the experience that we can create through online church. But online church, like I mentioned before, will become a front door rather than a back door. It'll be the way people come experience church. Now think about this somebody who's been watching church online for two months, right? After eight weeks, they're like, you know what? I love what's going on at the church. I love the things they say. I want to go experience it in the room. Think about their expectation and think about our responsibility to love them when they get out of their car, to love them as they walk through our lobby, to love them as they grab a cup of coffee and as they come and sit down in these blue chairs. The responsibility that we have from somebody coming in who's not walking in cold. They're not walking in going, hey, I wonder what's going to happen here. They know what's going to happen. And they know that we've said that our mission is to love well. And if they walk in this church and we don't love them well, that's on us, not them. That is our responsibility. And so online church will become more of a front door rather than a back door. However, it will keep also people current in this particular situation. Gatherings will be smaller and larger at the same time. In other words, I think big churches will continue to be big and I think they'll actually continue to grow. And I think that small group opportunities are gonna be vital to that. And some people say, oh, I hate big churches. You know, I don't think, listen, there's bad big churches, but I don't know about you, I've been to bad small churches too, right? I, I've had people look at me like, why are you sitting in my seat? I'm like, there's nine people in this church. There's 125 chairs, but I'm sitting in your seat. And they're like, could you move? <laughs> sure, that's a bad small church. At the same time, a big church can be a church that misses people, lets people fall through the cracks much too easily. And that's a problem too. And so we have to continue to do work to keep people connected through crisis, through trauma, and even in the good times. We need to work on that as well. We're not perfect. We haven't gotten it right all the time. And many of you have great ideas on how we can do that. We always welcome those, you know. So mega churches aren't bad, small churches aren't bad. They can be, they can be great. But I think both, we need to experience both in our lives and I think those small group gatherings are really important. I know I'm hammering on that a lot, but I think it's important.
I'll also say this. I think churches that value policy over people will continue to shrink in size and effectiveness. And what I mean by that, I got to tell you, this kind of knocks on our doors, Seventh-day Adventists, because we belong to a denomination. Over the last 20 years, denominations in North America have begun to shrink pretty significantly. And it's because denominations aren't kind of a real thing. The local church is the real body of Christ. Denominations are an organizational structure that help the body of Christ on the local level. Now, I'm saying that knowing that there's a bunch of conference and union and division officials that watch this church every single week. We love you. Thank you for your work. (laughs) Right? You exist for the local church. They exist for you. Right? I exist to make sure that the body of Christ is organized in a fashion that we can begin to grow, right? That's what it's for. So when you give that tithe and it goes up, if it doesn't come back down, that's, that's a problem, right? And I'm not going to make this about, about the funding of any sort of denomination. Just understand this. When, when an entity loves its policy more than its people, it is no longer of God, right? Because you know what Jesus said? I remember that story. Disciples walking through the field, it's Sabbath, they grab some wheat, throw it in their mouth, and what do, the, what do the Pharisees say? They say, how can you allow them to do that? They're working on Sabbath. And you know what Jesus' answer was, which is a very unpolitical or unpolicy-oriented answer? He goes, they were hungry. It's that simple sometimes, folks. Somebody walks in our door that we have a policy against loving, well, they needed love. That's what we do. That's what we have to do. Or else we are not being of God. We are not a community of belonging. We are something else. And that's, you get it. People matter more than policy. They have to. And this leads to the next point, which is without Jesus, the Christian church will be relegated to the halls of history rather than to the fields of the future. And herein lies maybe the deepest truth. The further we get from the simple gospel of Jesus, the further we are from the relevancy that we need to have in people's lives. I don't care about style. That's not what makes a church relevant. It is about the love expressed through their love of Jesus Christ. That is what makes a church relevant because I've never seen somebody walk into a room and say, I have too much love. Could you stop loving me so much? Right? That person has other problems because people need more love. And that's what the gospel propels us to. It is a catalyst for in our lives. And it leads us to other things because a Christianity that refuses to be weird like Jesus was weird is destined to institutionalize and become stale and irrelevant. What do I mean by weird? Hang out with the least of these. That's weird. Right? Love people regardless of how they think, feel, act, or where they come from. Love people. I could go on and on. You get it, right? A community of belonging speaks to this. That's weird. Lose it all to gain. That's weird. What we do is we cut ourselves off from the broader community and the broader culture in order to keep ourselves holy. There's purity and there's holiness, right? You can, you can wash and keep yourself clean and you can say that you're pure and that you won't be sullied by anybody else, but that's not holy. Holy is when you're dirty 
and still pure because you've put yourself in the dirt because theology only matters in the dirt. It doesn't matter in your head. It doesn't matter in the clean halls of the churches that we experience and that we go to. We love them, praise God for them. But if we don't take this love outside of this church, if we don't decide we're gonna be weird like Jesus was weird and love the least of these, if we don't decide to do that, then we're just a club that the clean and beautiful people get to go to. And that's not the gospel. That's what fought against the gospel. It fought against the gospel so hard that it killed the gospel. But the gospel won because the gospel can't be held back. So if you're afraid to get dirty, then you don't know what it's really like to be clean. Because clean that God gives us goes way beyond washing your feet because it washes everything. You see, the fact is a Christianity that constantly makes God smaller is doomed to lose God completely. The reason we come together, the reason why we do this, the reason why all this happens, it's because we know how big God is. When the church, the structure, becomes more important than the God it worships, we have a problem. There has to be a constant coming back to the simplicity of the gospel, which propels our love. And by the way, simple moralizing, that diminishes the gospel to behavior. If all we're gonna do is stand around and tell people how they should act and how they should think, if that's all we're gonna do and say, this is good, that is bad, I believe the Holy Spirit works in your heart. Right? I believe that the Holy Spirit will tell you what is right and what is wrong in your heart and in your life. I think there's guidelines. I think there's boundaries, sure. But you can read those in Scripture. If all the church does is tell you what's right and wrong, it doesn't trust you very much. But I trust God a lot. And I know that God is going to convict your heart unto the way that you should go. And that means I got to step back. As a pastor, I got to step back as a preacher and sometimes I got to let God convict your heart rather than me give you every single word. Sometimes my job is to ask a question, not to give an answer. Sometimes my job is to show you where God is already working and how he's going to build his church. And it's your job to decide whether or not that's something you want to be a part of. But what do all these circumstances actually make possible? I said I was going to answer this question. And we're seeing something happening. We are seeing that people are finding that ancient theology can better answer contemporary problems than many of its modern secular world's solution. What I mean by is sometimes answers don't answer the question. Sometimes we have to live in the mystery of who God is. Right? Even those who would say the church is no longer relevant are still seeking to find a way to connect with the ancient wisdom that we find in Scripture. And Scripture holds so much of this. You know, the thing is, we're reasonable people, right? Waiting for reasonable answers to the world's problems. But sometimes the solution is not the most logical one. Sometimes the solution is in the mystery of God. 
and in the way that God is still working in the world and still moving in the world in ways that we don't necessarily understand and don't make a lot of logical sense, but in the end are the only thing that fill our hearts and catalyze us to become the church in the world today. And I'll tell you what, this, all these things give us an opportunity to ask different kinds of questions. So what questions should we be asking? Maybe rather than how do we save Christianity, shouldn't we ask where is God already working? Wouldn't this be more of a faithful and humble question rather than how can we fix the problem? Isn't God already in the world working? I mean, he said it in John 4, right? But the time is coming and is indeed here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him in that way, spirit and truth. That means a willing spirit and recognizing what is actually happening in the world around us. Of course, theology, but also simply what is actually happening. What are the trends? How can we work hard to stay ahead of them? It only happens with the right attitude. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. By taking a look at what is actually happening, we can see where God is working. And you know where he's working? God is working in the family. The pandemic brought us home. It took us home and it kept us home. But I got to tell you, it was a blessed moment. To be with family without the same kind of distractions as before. I hope you're closer to your kids. I hope you're closer to your spouse. I hope you're closer to your parents. Because you had to take a look at how spirituality works in your house. Because we weren't there for you. We were there for you, but we weren't here for you because we couldn't be. And many of you have had to see how God is working in your family as you've taken control of your spirituality in a way that you had outsourced before. So God is working in your family. God is also working in your workspace, right? That had to change everything. Zoom, we had to figure out new technologies and this and that. I was on a Zoom call. Let me tell you how I know God is working in, this, in, the, in the workplace. Um, I do some consulting with a corporation and, um, and I was on a call, a Zoom call, and my job is to work with faith communities and get them engaged in what they're doing. And um, so I was talking to this pastor. I had another person from the corporation that was on the Zoom call and we're talking and we were talking about what we we're supposed to be talking to. And at the end, we had like 20 minutes left in the meeting that was scheduled for an hour and we could have cut it off early. But, but I don't know if this was God or me just being a decent person. I don't know. I looked at the pastor and I was like, hey man, how are you doing by the way? This has been kind of a tough year. And he broke down. He started crying. So I'm there, this corporate person is there, and I'm kind of looking at her, you know, through Zoom, trying to like, how, because how, how do you do that? How do you give someone a look in Zoom and not give it to everyone? <laughs> right? You can't do that. He's weeping. He had lost his mom. Stuff at the church was hard. He's weeping. And we had this holy moment. We had this like divine appointment in the middle of, and, and this was work, right? This was not faith. This was work. And all of a sudden, God broke through. God is in your working space. As you go back to your jobs, as you figure out what it means to be at home and at work, all that, God is in the midst of your workplace. And I got to tell you this, God is fighting for your heart right now. God is fighting for your heart because there are so many things that want your allegiance. We need to understand what that is all about. We've been talking about identity. We've been talking about what it means to be a Christian. And going forward, this is important. I want you to hear this clearly. Your allegiance above all others is to Christ or your identity is elsewhere. It is somewhere else. 
If you define yourself by another name, by another term, by another label, if there's somebody else that you think can save the problems of the world, whether it's a political figure, whether it's an ideological figure, whoever it is, whatever it is, if that's what your allegiance is to, stop calling yourself a Christian. You've relegated Christianity to a second tier in your life. You've relegated your faith to something else. It is not the center and circumference of who you are. It is something else. And I got to tell you, the term Christianity has been shifted and molded over the last 20 years in North America to the point where it almost doesn't look like the biblical Christianity that we've been studying for the last three months. It looks like something different. It has been over-politicized. It has been over-offended. It has been seeking power in a way that Jesus never did. And we need to repent of that. That is heresy. And we need to come back to a biblical Christianity. C.S. Lewis says it this way. Christianity is false. It's Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is second tier. It cannot be moderately important in your life. We don't have the opportunity to be sort of in. We are all in. And that's the truth, right? So where's the spirit? Because it said worship in spirit and truth. The spirit is partly the attitude you bring to this whole thing. It is the spirit in which you understand your place in the universe the humility that you have to learn, the grace to be wrong and the self-awareness to know that God is still working in you and he is still building his church. He is still working in a way that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And partly, this spirit is the God who is given to you to guide you. The Holy Spirit still moves, friends. Bushes still burn, friends. We can only see them if we get all that other stuff and all those other battles out of the way. And if we can finally bend down at the foot of the throne of God, we can approach God boldly, yes, but that doesn't mean we don't bow when we get there. What does the future of Christianity look like? Maybe the better question is, what does the future of your Christianity look like? The choices that you make in your heart about what Christianity is gonna be expressed through you, how God is gonna build his church through you, how he is gonna make a change in you so that more people can understand that the kingdom of God is waiting and ready for them. Now I'm writing this sermon this week and I'm listening to music because I always do this. And this song hits me, it's called Build Your Church by Maverick City. And I'm, I'm writing this as I'm listening to this song and like just, like goosebumps, right? And so I, I text Isaiah, it's early in the morning. I text him, I'm like, bro, and I don't do this very often. Um, I'm like, hey, there's a song I think we need to think about at the end of service this week. And Isaiah is great because he always agrees with you and then doesn't do it. In Jesus though, like it's so beautiful. He's like, yeah, yeah, or, and then does what he wants. Um, and it's why I hired him. I love that. I love that heart sometimes. But so this, he's like, yeah, man, maybe we can do a little piece of it or something like that. But the set's already done, this and that. I was like, yeah, whatever. So I keep working on the sermon and like a half hour later, he hits me up and he's like, bro, I've been listening to this song. I, like, we have to do this song. We're gonna change everything and do this song. And so we're gonna sing this song together and I hope it's a moment for you because I believe that God is still building his church. 
And so as these singers come up and sing, you'll catch on really quick. We want you to stand, I want you to sing the song because this is what I believe is where God is leading us as a church. And I believe that God wants to build his church through us today.